Welcome to the Bible in the News. This week saw Russia and Iraq forge a new relationship. Iraqi Prime Minister Nuri al-Maliki visited Russian President Vladimir Putin at the Kremlin, where they worked out deals on two major issues, energy development and military arms. Lebanon's Daily Star reported Russia on Tuesday unveiled $4.2 billion in arms deals with Iraq that make it the strife-torn nation's largest weapon supplier after the United States and firms up a slipping foothold in the Middle East. Russia is seeking to take its ties with Iraq to a new level and win almost certain support for its controversial position on Syria during the powerful Shiite prime minister's first visit to Moscow in nearly four years. The battles ripping apart Syria threatened to unseat Moscow's sole unwavering Arab ally, Bashar al-Assad, and make it all the more crucial for Russia to forge regional alliances elsewhere. Malachi came to Moscow voicing a position on the 19 months of bloodshed that was almost an exact reflection of Russia's, end quote. While as the world news media reacts to this newly formed relationship, it is interesting to see what is being said. China's official news agency commented, Iraqi Prime Minister Nuri al-Malikai wrapped up his visit here Wednesday with both countries finding a common purpose in rebuilding their relationship. His visit was significant to both Russia, a country seeking to strengthen its presence in the Middle East, and Iraq, which is eager to cast off an image of a U.S. puppet. Malachi met President Vladimir Putin and Prime Minister Dmitry Medvedev and discussed a range of issues, including energy and military technology cooperation. A series of bilateral military contracts worth 4.2 billion U.S. dollars were also unveiled during his visit. The paper went on to comment about the benefits to both countries in a changing world. During his visit, Malachi said his country needed Russia's help in the military and defense areas, adding Iraq would like to forge a closer partnership with Russia in the future. It is a mutually beneficial development in bilateral ties, Eggart said, adding the main advantage for both sides was political rather than commercial or military. For Russia... It is a demonstration of its presence in the Middle East arms markets. For Iraq, it is proof that Baghdad is not a toy dog of Washington, Eggart said. Well, the end game for the kingdom of men is given in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 35. We read, Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken in pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So no matter what the current political climate might be, eventually... All the elements of the image must be broken in pieces together. What is of great interest to Bible students is the reorientation of the Middle East dynamics along biblically designed lines. The prophets paint a picture which clearly delineates the division of nations at the time of the end. The picture painted in Daniel 2 is of a composite empire to be combined together, including Babylon, the head of gold, Medo-Persia, the breast and arms of silver, Greece, the belly and thighs of brass, Rome, the legs of iron and clay, and modern Europe, the feet part of iron and part of clay. Geographically, the image must cover Iraq, Persia, or Iran as it's called today, Greece, Rome, Italy, and Europe, and the extensions of their former empires. 
So all this talk in the news about Greece leaving the EU will not amount to much. In the end, they must be part of the image. And for that matter, so must Iraq. Well, while in Chicago this week, we visited the Institute of the Orient, located at the University of Chicago. It was here that Iraq's place in the image of Nebuchadnezzar's dream was reinforced by archaeological evidence. The artifacts exhibited here were collected during the 1930s from the Middle East. A brick from Babylon was displayed with the inscription, Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, eldest son of Nabopolassar, King of Babylon. This evidence reminds us that Iraq was home to the ancient Babylon and must be with the image empires at the time of the end. The fact it has been under American hegemony during the last 10 years since the Second Gulf War does not change its destiny. Daniel 11 also describes two power blocks entitled the King of the North and the King of the South who will come into conflict with each other at the end. Ezekiel draws a line between the nations that form these two power blocks. The northern confederacy consists of Gog, the land of Mago, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Tagarmer of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Ezekiel 38, verses 2 and 5 to 7. The southern confederacy consists of Sheba and Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. Verse 13. The military power of the south is geographically in the area of the Arabian Peninsula, which is joined by the merchants of Tarshish and its young lions, identified with Britain, and its independently developed former colonies, who are its trading partners. Following the 9-11 attack on America and the subsequent American invasion of Iraq, the line of division was moved north of Iraq. However, the scripture painted a different picture of the power blocks, and Bible students have looked for the material change in the Middle East to bring the arrangement more in line with Bible prophecy. This week's news is drawing the curtain back on the angelic realignment of the Middle East along these biblical lines. The same Chinese news agency reported, Pukov, director of the Moscow-based Center for the Analysis of Strategies and Technologies, stated the Iraqi leadership had been cautiously distancing itself from the United States lately. He said Baghdad is gradually reorienting itself from Washington to Tehran. At the same time, the Russian military-industrial sector finds favorable political support in such a sensitive area as an arms exporter, Pukov said. Medvedev hailed Russia-Iraq relations Tuesday, saying the ties were based on traditional friendship, while Maliki enthusiastically agreed. The division is outlined according to Mann's perspective to be about religious lines. No longer is the Middle East merely an Arab versus Israeli division. The lines have been moved to a more biblical model predicted thousands of years ago by the prophets. The paper continued, according to Konstantin Ergat, a Russian expert on Middle East affairs, Russia and Iraq have reset their cooperation after nearly 10 years of stagnation, especially their military cooperation. The Kremlin now placed its bets on a non-Sunni regime in the region, such as Syria, Iran and Iraq, in the hopes that these countries will counterbalance the influence of Saudi Arabia, Qatar and other pro-Western monarchies in the Gulf, he said. End quote. 
As we watch the Bible in the news, we see the finger of God moving the nations in accordance with his plan. The power blocks in the Middle East are forming in line after the biblical prophecies. We are constantly reminded that there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known what shall be in the latter days. Daniel 2 verse 28. This matter is by the decree of the watchers, and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. Daniel 4 verse 17. What we see going on is clear evidence of God's truth. Remember the former things of old we read in Isaiah 46 verses 9 to 10, For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. What we are seeing today has been declared thousands of years ago in the word of God. We have the prophetic light of Scripture to wake us up. It has to have an effect on our lives. It can't just be intellectual stimulation. As John Thomas wrote many years ago in Elphus Israel, as the Lord has revealed what is to come to pass in these latter days, it is both our duty and privilege to make ourselves acquainted with it, that our faith may grow and be strengthened, that our affections be detached from the fleeting present and set more firmly on things to come, that our minds may be fortified against error, and that we may be prepared to meet the Lord as those who have kept their garments and shall not be put to shame. It is our own fault if we are not light in the Lord. He has plainly set before us what is happening in our day and what is yet to occur. So let us heed the warnings of Paul, who John Thomas was referring to. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 to 6. Well, we know the bridegroom cometh. Let us make sure that our lamps are burning brightly and our vessels are filled with oil. For the Bible in the news, this has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.